Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we're, we're going through... Matthew chapter 13, and I've entitled this chapter, Jesus is Teaching by the Sea, because in this chapter, Jesus shares a lot of parables. Now, we've been looking at one parable for the last three weeks. This is our final week of looking at it, because in the first parable, which again, let me tell you what a parable is. It's everyday stories that Jesus uses from their life to convey a truth. And the truth is not easy to understand. He's actually got to explain it to them. And so in this first parable that he gives them, the parable of the sower, he wants to talk about how God's word is sown and that there are four responses to the word of God, to the good news about Jesus. There are four responses. And I think it's very important. We've spent the last three weeks, we're going to spend the day looking at that Because you and I need to be aware that people respond to Jesus differently. And and that's because we we make some assumptions. So I'm going to go back through the same two assumptions that we've talked about last week. I'm going to add a third one here today. You and I have some assumptions about responses to Jesus. So let me just go ahead and go through them with you. Number one, we think that everyone who responds to Jesus is okay. Now here's what we've seen over the last few weeks is that there are some people who respond to Jesus, but they're still not okay. Not everyone who says they believe is okay. Not everyone says, as they respond to Jesus, they're okay. Why? Because it's an issue of their commitment to Jesus. It's an issue of their understanding of who Jesus is. We're especially going to see that today. Because what we've seen is, as we've gone through this, first of all, there's there's the person who gets excited for the moment, but there's no depth in their life. They don't go anything beyond just the initial excitement about Jesus. Wow, isn't he wonderful? But when problems happen, and they do happen when you identify yourself as a Christian, they walk away. And you and I know people like that. They've walked away and they never come back again because God wasn't there for them. The second response is the one we saw last week is they hear, but rather than responding to it, they get distracted. What do you mean they get distracted? Well, they get distracted by one of two things. There are some, and I think it's a few people, who get distracted by the cares of this world. You ever met somebody who's always worrying about stuff that really has nothing to do with them, but they're worried about how that might affect them? Do you you know what I'm saying? And it's like they, they get worried about stuff. They get distracted. But here's the other thing. A lot of people not just get distracted by the cares of this world. They get distracted, Jesus says, by the deceitfulness of riches. They get distracted by their dreams of prosperity, by their ambitions. And they don't have time for God. They've heard. Maybe they've initially said that that's really nice or they've even responded positively. But their life and everything that is about them is trying to focus on one of those two areas. So what I want you to see is is we think everybody who responds is okay, but here's the thing. Just as I've just mentioned, we fail to recognize that not every response is valid. We fail to recognize that not every response is valid. 
You know, here's the thing. If you believe that just because somebody says to you that they are a follower of Jesus, that they are, then you are greatly deceived because you don't know. And time will tell. What do you mean? Well, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Okay, all right, so we've got a big championship game today, and most of you are going to be watching the game tonight after the Resonate Bible study, of course, right? Okay? You're going to be watching the game, and you're going to be rooting for the Patriots, right? A lot of people are laughing. No. Some of you are like, no! What's the matter with you, George? Okay. So we got a lot of people who are rooting for the Steelers. Are you rooting for the Steelers? Let me see your hand. Okay. All right. You see my hands up? Okay. All right. You might be saying, George raised his hand. He is a Steeler fan. I'm a Steeler fan. Now, some of you know better than that, though, because you've talked to me, and you found out that I may present myself as a Steeler fan, but I'm actually a fan of the Redskins. Have been since a child. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, really? <laughs> I've never communicated. What's my point in sharing that with you? You can say anything. And people can say anything, especially in a culture that is Christian or Christianized. You can say anything. But time reveals. And not every response is valid. But here's the difficult thing, and here's the third point I'm going to make to you about assumptions, okay? Is that for those who do respond, there is also an ignorance on our part. And here's what I want you to see. We fail to understand what happens when you respond to Jesus. Most of us, and even Christians, fail to understand what happens when you respond to Jesus. This is why a lot of us are willing to accept anybody's testimony of their, that they prayed a prayer and they got saved, so therefore they're okay. We fail to understand what happens when you come to Jesus. Now, there's a lot of reasons why that is. Because when we present the gospel, we present it in terms of two things. We present it in terms of forgiveness of sins, and most people want to be forgiven of the stuff they've done wrong, right? And we also present it in terms of going to heaven. Because who wants to go to hell when you die? Not very many people. You might know somebody. I've met a few that want to go to hell because they think that's where the party is. Folks, there's no party in hell. And that's what our assumption of what it means to follow Jesus is. And so we, un we have this limited understanding and we've allowed ourselves to have a limited understanding of what it means to respond to Jesus. Now, Jesus is going today with this fourth soil that he presents, present to us what it is to respond to him. And actually, when he talks about the one who responds, we're going to see something about him, but we're also going to see what happens when he responds. And you might be amazed. You might be amazed. So let's look at the parable. We're going to look at the parable as Jesus presented it, and then we're going to look at the explanation. So notice with me, verse 3 of chapter 13. Then he spake many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of the earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. Because they had no root, they withered away. 
Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Notice what Jesus says here in verse 9. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, so he's, he puts that statement in because he wants you to think about what he's saying. Because this is important because we're talking about people responding to Jesus. Now I want you to notice the explanation. Verse 18. Therefore hear the parable of the sower. And when everyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Now notice the fourth response here in verse 23. But he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to take that verse 23. We're going to divide it into two sections. We're going to talk about understanding. You're going to see that with the response, there has to be understanding. So we're going to look at understanding. And then we're going to see the impact. And this is what a lot of you, to be honest with you, are not aware of. You've not been taught. You've not understood. You just thought of salvation in terms of forgiveness now and in terms of heaven later on. But there's an impact even now in your life that you need to be aware of. And Jesus is pointing that out. And that helps us in understanding the validity of someone's response to Jesus. So let's look at the issue of understanding. Notice what he says there, verse 23. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. Here's what I want you to see. There has to be an understanding of Jesus. There has to be an understanding of Jesus. For somebody to come to salvation, they have to have an understanding of Jesus. They have to have an understanding of who he is and what he's done. Period. Now, stop for a moment. When I say that, immediately some of you are going to say, well, you know what, George? It's really going to be hard to get them to go through a theological study concerning the doctrine of Jesus. That's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about somebody being theologized into the person of Jesus here and they having a theological understanding. If that were true, then a lot of us wouldn't be saved. But what happens is, is that when you come to Christ, when you come to an understanding of who he is and you respond to him, what you come to an understanding about him is, is you understand who he is and what he's done for you. Do you understand? It's that simple who he is and what he's done for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So like I think about that night in northeast Richland County in Columbia after a Bible study that I went to where I heard about Christ and was encouraged to read the Gospel of John and I read the Gospel of John that evening. I recognized that Jesus 
was God and what he offered me was salvation. I understood and I got down by my bed that night on a Tuesday evening in April of 1985 and I said, Jesus, I want to follow you. And here's my life. And my life has been different ever since. Why? Because I understood who he was. There has to be an understanding of Jesus. I want you to think for a moment. A lot of our presentations of the gospel, we just simply present it as just pray this prayer and you'll be okay for heaven. We present it in such a way that there is no understanding of who Jesus is. And so they can think that Jesus is just like Buddha, but I prayed that prayer. And we're crazy enough to tell them they're okay. There has to be an understanding of Jesus. Let me go on. Understanding, listen, comes by recognizing who Jesus is and what he said. Recognizing who Jesus is and what he says. Listen, there's a lot of folks who believe Jesus was a good teacher. There's a lot of folks who believe Jesus died on the cross, but that's as far as it goes. They don't understand that he's the second person of the Trinity, that he is the Son of God. They don't understand that he died for their sins on the cross, that he rose again on the third day. There has to be an understanding of who Jesus is. And that really needs to be in our presentation of the gospel. That really needs to be in the presentation of the gospel of who Jesus is. Understanding comes by recognizing who Jesus is and what he said. And listen, when we talk about understanding here, it is a conscious decision to embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's what salvation is. It's a conscious decision. I need you, Jesus, to be my Savior. That's what salvation is. It's not praying the prayer. Look, you don't even have to pray the prayer. If you come to the conclusion that Jesus is the Savior that you need and that you embrace Him and you don't even utter a prayer, are you saved? Yes, because you've embraced him by what? Faith. And he's your savior. Do you understand? So what we see about this response is, is that Jesus is saying here there has to be understanding. He hears the word and understands. Say, okay, George, I knew that. But you said we were going to talk about something that we don't understand about salvation. And that's what we're going to focus on here now. Because I want you to notice the second part of what Jesus says here about this positive response about the one who responds to Jesus. I want you to notice what he says. Look with me at verse 23. But he who receives seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. Notice now what he also says. Who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. I want you to notice the impact. Verse 23 is basically saying this. Your life will change. When you respond to Jesus and you understand who he is and you respond you and you respond and embrace who he is, your life will change. Now let me just stop for a moment because I'm going to have to clarify what that means because I've been around church a long time. I've been a believer for 31 years. And the concept of change had to do with did you give up those outward sins? Did you quit smoking? Did you quit drinking? And did you quit dating women who did those things? Now you laugh, but that's true, wasn't it? 
And, and we would say, oh, well, you know, I know he got saved, but he's still struggling. I don't know. Didn't we say things like that? Now, here's what I've, I've grown to understand is that it ain't easy to necessarily change those things, is it? And those things are not necessarily a good test of whether there has been changed. Because you can give up those things because you're excited for Jesus for the moment and look like everything's okay, but the reality is is nothing is okay, nothing has changed. What we're talking about here is change that happens on, listen to me if you want to write this down, change that happens of the heart on the inside. Your life will change. Now let me just stop for a moment. Some of you need to hear that because some of you, you're carrying the baggage of the past and you know what you were like and you know that things weren't good and so you look and you say, I still struggle in some areas. I don't know that I'm saved. Listen, folks, you embrace Jesus. He changes you. He changes your heart so that you bear fruit, so that your life begins to produce something. Now, let me just stop for a moment. I'm not going to pretend that I'm a gardener here, okay? Because I have a wife who knows better, all right? And I'm not a gardener, but I will help her do things sometimes in her garden. Like, we have fruit trees. We have an old a winter pear tree that I wish would collapse, you know, and, and get out of our yard, but it's still there. It's, I think the, the trees are close to 100 years old. I don't know how they're still living. They're rotting out from the inside, but every year we have an abundance of winter pears that draws all the deer from all over Kerwinsville to our yard, okay? And then my wife now has planted these apple trees, Okay? which I help her in the spring. The most that I will help her do is I will help her prune them. I will help her prune them. So, but what, here's what I've noticed with those apple trees. It's been very interesting to me watching. And I can't pay this attention with those pear trees that I hate. But with the apple trees, I've noticed this. Because we, when we planted them, they were small and they're getting bigger. And here's what I've noticed. Fruit doesn't necessarily get born the first year. Fruit doesn't necessarily get born on year four. Now the tree's getting bigger. Here's, this is the point. There has to be time to see change. Some of you need to hear that. There has to be time to see change. But the point you're going to know is, is that your life will change. Eventually, those trees are going to bear fruit, which Lori's going to make into applesauce or wonderful apple pie. Couldn't care less about the applesauce, but that <laughs> crumb topping is going to be great. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I mean? There's going to be some produce there. Jesus is saying, when you come to him, your life changes. You need to know that. You're not the same person. Throughout the scripture, it tells you that you change. Now, let me just stop for a moment. That gives you something to think about. You have somebody who comes and says that they've accepted Jesus and it's 20 years later and nothing's changed, folks, nothing's changed. Don't just assume words mean something. Life changes. Your life will change. Here's what I want you to see. The second thing, and this is the powerful thing, look at what he says there, and I think this is where you've got to understand. Some hundredfold, it says, it indeed bears fruit and produces, and here's what it says. Some hundredfold, some sixtyfold, 
some 30. Now, what is he saying there? All right, listen to me. I think everybody here is smart enough to understand what he's saying. Some are going to bear a hundredfold worth of fruit. Some are going to bear what? 60-fold worth of fruit. And some are going to bear 30-fold worth of fruit. What does that mean? Are they all the same? No, here's the point. The change will differ with each person. The change will differ with each person. This will set some of you free. Change is different, but there's change. Your life will change when you come to Jesus, but that change is going to be different for each and every person. But here's what I'm going to tell you. I think it's interesting, and this is what I want you to see about. I think it's interesting when you understand what the change is, then you'll understand what fruit is. What is it? It's who you are. You change in the essence of who you are. So now you understand fruit. In fact, the Bible even tells you what the fruit is. Go with me. Just take your Bible. You're in Matthew. Just turn over a few books to Galatians chapter 5. Look with me at verse 22. He's going to tell you what the fruit is that God produces in your life. And you'll see that everybody's different, but here's the fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such there is no law. What's he talking about here? Love, joy, peace? What are those things reflective of? Remember what I told you that he changes. It's not the outward, but the what? The inward, the heart. When you talk about the fruit of the Spirit, to have love, to have joy, to have peace, to have long-suffering, and that's talking about patience under the weight of things that are happening to you. When you're talking about self-control, those are all issues that take place where? On the inside of a person, in their heart. See, that's when you know that somebody has come to Jesus. When they change. Now, the change isn't going to be the same with everyone. Jesus is telling us, some 100-fold, some 60-fold, some 30-fold. But it produces change. That's what it is to respond to Jesus. See, this is what I think most of us don't even grasp. We think of things, we think of heaven in terms of later on, salvation in terms of later on. No, folks, it's in terms of now. You changing now. And if you've got somebody who's the same way after 20 years and they're still mean and belligerent, but they love Jesus, give me a break. See, time tells, life tells whether there's a response. You say, okay, George, what do we do with this? How do, how do we apply it to our life? Well, I guess the first question I want to ask you is this. Do you truly understand who Jesus is? Do you really understand who he is? I mean, yes, he died for you. Yes, he was a great teacher. Yes, he healed people. Yes, he forgives. But do you understand he's the God of the universe? He created. He spoke the worlds into existence. He was there from the very beginning. He will sit on the great white throne judgment from whose face the heavens and earth want to flee because he will judge the wicked and the dead and cast them into hell. This is the same Jesus. Do you understand who he is? And do you understand his grace for your life? That he died for you? Do you understand who he is? 
that he holds everyone accountable, even us who are saved, we will be held accountable for ourselves. Now, we don't have to fear hell, but it will be reflected in the reward that we receive. Do you understand who he is? Here's the second one. Has your faith in Jesus Christ changed your life? Now, why are you asking that question? Because you might have responded to Jesus, but your response is one of the other two responses. You were excited for the moment, but you're just waiting for the big thing to happen for you to walk away. Or you you hear and you're positive, but you're distracted by your ambitions or the cares of the world. Has your faith in Jesus Christ changed your life? And remember now, we're not talking about that you gave up some sins. We're talking about that your heart is changing. You are becoming a different person because of who in your life? Jesus Because he said your life would change. Has your faith in Jesus Christ changed your life? So what do we do about this, George? Well, again, I just want to mention those two questions. Those are things that you need to reflect upon and think upon. But here's what I want you to do and pray about this. Ask the Spirit to continue to change who you are for Jesus. To continue to change who you are for Jesus. Here, I'm going to let you in on a little secret about spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. I'm going to let you in on a little secret about your life now in Jesus. Here it is. It's called sanctification. I'll use the big theological word. It's actually a Bible word. Until you go to be with him, that is, until you die or unless Jesus comes back, and we hope that he will, you are being sanctified. What does that mean? You are changing into the person that God wants you to be in this world. And at some point, he's going to be done trying to change you in this world, and he takes you home. And so what you're asking is, is for God to keep changing you. There's no reaching. Here's the thing. I meet people and they think they've arrived. You never arrive in your Christian life. Arriving in your Christian life means you die. Do you understand? Perfection doesn't come in this life. You should be continually changing. How? We just read the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Now let's just stop for a moment. When I read that list, I realize what? I'm a work in progress. Are you? I hope you say yes. If you don't think so, ask your spouse. Honey, have I been very patient this week? Be prepared. Here's the wonderful thing. Paul says this, talking about God, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. God is the one who's changing you. He's going to complete it. So here's what you need to do. You need to ask the Spirit to continue to change who you are for Jesus. That's responding to Jesus, folks. Are you changing? Are you changing? And here's what I found as I get older, and I got a birthday coming up here in a couple of weeks or so. As I get older, and I keep getting older, I realize with each passing year how much more I need to change. You 
And you realize that. And so you ask him, Lord, change me. Change me. That's what we want to pray. Okay? Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.